0: Good morning, everybody, and uh, let me also wish all the dads out there a happy Father's Day. Uh, Give me one second. Thanks, Brett. Um, So yes, definitely, happy Father's Day to all of you that are gathered here with us this morning and to those that may be listening or watching online. Um, My name is Jeff Schmidt, Uh, for those of you that I haven't had the privilege to meet, and I'm excited to have the opportunity To speak with you this morning Uh, my family and i we've been attending hope now for a little bit over five years which is which is kind of crazy we just had the the 10-year anniversary celebration which means that we've actually been a part of this community for over half of its existence and uh that's that's exciting to think about but also to think about you know what may come in the next 10 20 30 years so Um, I also have the privilege of overseeing our men's ministry events here at church. So for any dads or guys out there, if that's ever something you're interested in talking to me about, um, please just seek me out and we can do that. So I think it was about two months ago that Pastor Josh asked if I would be willing to give a message today. Um, He's away with his family, so he knew he wasn't going to be here and I really love doing this, I appreciate every opportunity that I have to be up here and uh, actually my initial reaction when he asked me was that I was going to say no. Um, I've been working for a large public accounting firm for almost 20 years now and, and I just know how busy my May and June is every year because of client deadlines. And, there may be a couple guys that I work with that are actually tuned in listening to this now, and uh, you know, they know what we're kind of going through at work right now. And, and with that end of school year activities, all that taking place, and then also overseeing the Wednesday night men's group, it just all seemed like a little daunting. You know, that, that's kind of too much to take on, I'm too busy, you know, maybe I'll take a pass this time. But I did tell him I would take some time to think about it, and it was in this room probably a couple weeks after he had asked me that I was sitting there on a Sunday morning, um, you know, listening and watching Josh give his sermon. And in that moment, I was prompted to say yes to this opportunity. If if you remember back to February, the last time that I had the opportunity to be up here and speak to you on a Sunday morning, I spoke about not quenching the Spirit um, from Galatians 5.19. And I clearly felt, just a run-of-the-mill Sunday morning, I don't even remember what Josh was talking about, but I felt God telling me that I'm going to give you a message, and I'm also going to give you the time to prepare for that message, and that this was something that I needed to do. So that's why I'm up here this morning. Um, I let Josh know that, yes, I would speak, and uh, then that process begins of trying to figure out, you know, what is it that I'm going to talk about, because... It'd probably be a lot easier if, if he said, like, I want you to speak this day and I need you to preach on this, right? That's some direction. But just having a date and having the ability to really say whatever it is I want, that that's a that's a big process because I don't want this to be my words, right? I want this morning to be from God. So, you know, you go through that process and you know, I'll kind of talk through a little bit of that, but that part of this is also, you know, very exciting and, and rewarding experience. So, you know, before, before I start, I do want to say it's really encouraging to see so many dads out here this morning. Um, and, and it's encouraging to me that this is what you've chosen to do to at least spend part of your Father's Day. So thank you for that. Thank you for making this a priority and, and for being here today. And while I do hope that I speak directly To each of you this morning. Um, I think this message that I have is generally applicable to all of us. When I first said yes to talking today, I I really thought I was gonna speak about the importance of community. Um, It's something that I'm really passionate about. Uh, It's one of the main reasons why I really enjoy overseeing our men's ministry. I mean, it's in the name of our church, Hope Community Church. And if you look at you know, through the New Testament and the, the life of the early church, how important community was. But as happens oftentimes, what I had planned is not what God had planned for this morning. And as you can tell from the scripture that Joyce read and from the title of my message um, that's in the bulletin, we're not going to speak about community. Instead, I'm going to speak to you this morning about the power of words And bear in mind, I mentioned a little while ago, I'm an accountant, right? So I don't have all this stuff together myself. So this morning needs to be more about what the Word of God has to say and not just like a Sunday morning session of practical life lessons from Jeff. I mean, that may be great. Maybe we could pack this room if I started doing that, but but that's not why we're here and that's not why I am here. My prayer for each of us this morning is that through the Holy Spirit, and through these scriptures we're going to be covering, that God would be able to speak directly into each of our lives, myself included, for where we find ourselves today. Because whether you're a father, a mother, a son, or a daughter, we need to understand that our words have power. Our words have power to build up, but our words also have the power to tear down, so it's a big topic, right? Where do we start? And I couldn't think of anywhere better than Genesis 1 and the creation story. And it's interesting to me when we think about it, how did God choose to create? You know, he chose to create by speaking creation into existence. In Genesis 1:3, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And I don't want us to gloss over that, you know, all it took was God to speak light into existence, and God said. And then we move to the New Testament, and how is it that John begins his gospel? John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I'm not going to try to explain that sentence this morning. I mean, we could probably spend the entire morning just trying to figure out what that means. Um, in the pews here you've got bibles in front of you some of you may have a bible in your hands we have bibles on our phones and really it's nothing more than a collection of words but as we're told in Hebrews 4:12 it's alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow so i just want to impress on everybody that words are more than just words, and that's what we're going to spend our time talking about this morning. We're going to be starting in the book of James, and just to give you some quick background, James was a brother of Jesus. Uh, He came to faith after the resurrection, and he found himself as a leader in the church in Jerusalem after Peter was arrested. And the book of James is thought to be one of the earliest New Testament writings, and among other things, he deals a lot with Christian character and ethics. And James has a lot to say about words and speech. And I mentioned this morning, you know, I really want the scripture to do the talking. So I'm actually going to read a pretty big passage of James chapter 3 to you. Um, I know Joyce read, I think, three seven through 3.10. I'm actually going to start all the way back at verse 2. So if anybody wants to read along, um, feel free to, to flip there now. James chapter 3. And I'm going to read verse 2 through 12. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way... The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, Full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water From a salty spring. So I'd like to take a a few minutes now just to kind of break this down. Um, When we go back and look at verse 2, I'd like everybody to take note of the word if. James says, if we could control our tongues, that we would be able to control ourselves in every other way. But he starts off by saying, we all make many mistakes. So controlling the tongue you know, I think is the ideal. But really, in our own strength, that's probably an unrealistic goal. And then we have verses 3 and 4. And James is talking about two different ways that relatively small objects can move or have outsized impacts on much larger ones. You have the bit in a horse's mouth or the rudder of a ship. Uh, You know, I got the privilege for the past several years of watching my daughter Molly ride horses on a weekly basis, and particularly when she was younger and a lot smaller, it's so intriguing to see how she was able to control this much larger animal with seemingly little action. I mean, to me, it doesn't look like she's doing anything, but the horse is listening to her, and that's what the bit does. Um, And then we have the rudder. I'm not a boater, but for any boaters out there, you'll probably understand that relationship between the size of a ship and the size of the rudder. I had to look it up, and it seems that a rudder only needs to be about one and a half to two percent area of the ship's, the area of a ship's hull. So again, very small, but it can move that gigantic ship wherever uh, the captain wants it to go. So how does any of this relate to speech? Because if we think about the tongue, you know, we also have a relatively small body part, but our tongue can have outsized impacts. In verse five, James talks about a spark that can set a forest fire ablaze. And that's not something you know we really deal with here. Rains a lot. You look outside, it's lush and green, but you know we have a lot of family on the West Coast, Um, and we have some family in Colorado and, and we visit them, you know, during the summers a lot, and I've seen forest fires, thankfully from afar, but it's it's amazing to see the level of destruction, something as small as a tiny spark can cause and we may not think about our words that way but I believe James is cautioning us here about the impact our words can have particularly the destructive impact so we may ask ourselves what are we supposed to do right can we just try harder and eliminate hurtful speech from our lives and I think the answer to that is a resounding no I mean James says flat out no one can control their tongue so then we might ask, well, does this mean we get a pass? I mean, if nobody can control their tongue, great, let's just all give up. Like, what are we supposed to do? But, but I think the answer to that is also a no, because James ends this part of the, his letter talking about the hypocrisy of blessings and cursings coming out of the same mouth. And, you know, he, he likens it to a spring that gives salty and fresh water, or a fig tree producing olives. And these contradictory things, they don't exist in nature, yet somehow within the mystery that is the human heart, like we're able to spring blessings and cursings from the same believer. As I was getting ready for this morning, you know, there's a, there's a ton of topics that we could talk about related to speech, but I'm briefly just going to focus on three for this morning. Um, the first, gossip, the second is going to be anger, and then the third is this idea of these contradictory things coming from the same source. So let's start off with gossip. Um, You know, it may be hard to define, but gossip is one of those things that I think if we truly step back and take a look, you know, you kind of, you know it when you hear it, or you know it when you see it taking place. And for me, when I think about something, or even when I'm engaged in a conversation, and when things start to, you know, maybe tend more towards gossip, like, what is the heart behind why I'm sharing these secret things, or these juicy details, right? Because if we look back to James chapter 3, verse 9, you know, it's really important to remember that James says, oftentimes our tongue will curse who? It says, we'll curse those who have been made in the image of God. And I don't want us to forget that important point. You know, we are all made in the image of God. Every single human being on this planet is made in the image of God. So whether or not you like the person, whether or not you are of the same political affiliation, whether or not you're the same race, we are all made in the image of God. And from what I've witnessed, I mean, and this is both inside and outside of the church, a lot of just everyday routine conversation is heavily saturated with what I would call gossip. Um, And it's so much so that it, to me, and this is my personal opinion, but it seemed to have almost become an accepted sin in many circles that we can just agree to overlook it, and it maybe doesn't have, you know, that much of an impact. But you know, Before anybody walks out or lines up to defend yourself, again, I don't want this morning to be about what Jeff has to say. So I just want to look at a few scriptures and see what the Word of God has to say about this. So back in James, this time James chapter 4, um, I'd like to read for you verses 11 and 12. So James tells us, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. For when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? It's pretty straightforward. And you may be sitting there saying, well, like what if I just need to vent, right? Sometimes there's just stuff we just need to get off our chest, right? And and maybe I know the person I'm talking to is going to be a sympathetic audience, right? I already know what they think about the same thing, and I just need to get this off my my chest. I know they're going to kind of affirm what I have to say. Like, well, isn't that okay? And believe me, I get it, I understand, and I myself fall into that same trap from time to time. But I'd like to look at Matthew chapter 12. This is Matthew 12... Uh, verses 36 and 37. And it says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. It's kind of harsh, right? Just think about every careless word, But, but it's there in the Scripture, and we need to be aware that it's there. We can't ignore it. And to make this maybe more poignant, I mean, guess who it was that actually said that? It was Jesus himself. It was Jesus speaking that said, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. And I don't know about you, but when Jesus speaks, I feel we need to listen. So it's just something to kind of take away and be aware of. And I'm sure we've all also been on the other side Of gossip or slander. You know, you've heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Like, who are we really kidding with that? Because you can probably think back to your own lives and pinpoint conversations or offhand comments, or maybe comments that you weren't even supposed to hear. But these things have been just seared into your memory, and they impact you to this very day. You know, I spend a lot of time at work. I have worked from home now since COVID started. And, you know, I'm I'm constantly just listening to music on Pandora, and I've got a wide range of music I listen to. But as I was preparing this, a song came to mind. It's called Mean Girls. And I just want to share some of these lyrics with you because it really spoke to me. It says, mean girls don't remember what they said. Well, it's funny because I can't seem to forget. Their whispers opened up the door to a world called insecure No mean girls don't remember what they said. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but no one ever warned me about words. I smile and I pretend it doesn't hurt, but the older that I get, it just gets worse. Lord, find me and remind me that my worth is worth so much more than their words. And how true is that? It's so easy when we are the ones slandering or gossiping, we can just forget about it. You can forget about something you said five minutes ago and just move on with your day like nothing ever happened. But to the recipient, it can create a lifelong impact. That's how powerful our words are. And I I shared earlier that, you know, I originally had planned to talk about community this morning, and I do believe this particular topic of gossip Has a huge impact on community because if there's gossip or slander going on, particularly within the walls of the church and among the church members, you know, I don't know how we're ever supposed to experience the true community that God wishes for us. So maybe for some of us listening here this morning, like this is the only thing you need to hear. And maybe this is something that you need to tackle before. We can even think about truly experiencing the community that God wants for us. So now let's turn to anger for a few minutes. In James 3.8, again, we're told that our tongue is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. And I don't want to single out the men or the dads because this can affect both men and women, but maybe, especially for some of the dads in here, maybe this is your default reaction when Things don't go your way, or life throws you a curveball. You know, thankfully, I was blessed to grow up in a household that was calm and loving. And I know that many people, they don't have that luxury. Um, My parents are here today. Thank you for coming. Um, My dad is here. Happy Father's Day. But thinking back on my 41 years of life, I honestly cannot remember a single time that I saw my dad angry or heard him uh, raise his voice. And I'm sure it had to happen, right? Nobody's perfect, but I'm just so thankful that that's the environment that I was able to grow up in. And that was the example um, that he set for me of what it meant to be a man, what it meant to be a father and a husband. And, you know, if that describes you as well, that's fantastic. Um, But I know, I personally have fallen short in this area, not only of my dad's example, but of what God's expectation is for me many, many times. But I also know and can take um, some relief in knowing that there is no condemnation, right? And as long as I am willing to do some difficult introspective work, to be malleable, to be able to be molded by God, that there is always room For change and growth. And that applies to all of us. You know, just to share one example, um, back when our girls were little, I vividly remember a time where they did something, I don't know what it was, they did something, I got upset at what they did, I got angry, I yelled, and they cried, right? They do something, upset, anger, yell, cry. And maybe that describes half the nights in your household. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. But for me, that wasn't a one-time occurrence. And like I said, I can't even remember what they did. I don't remember if it was Molly or if it was Brooke. Um, But I do remember having this feeling of like, yeah, that's right. Like this justification when they cried that I was justified in my anger. And fast forward a few years and in another interaction that, again, I don't fully remember the, the full context of, but my wife Kathy shared with me that um, the girls had told her that they were scared of me, not, not physically scared, but, but scared of maybe potentially an outburst of, of anger or not knowing how I was going to react to a given situation. And talk about words just cutting straight to the heart. I confess, even Kathy telling me that was not well-received in the moment, right? That's not anything any of us want to hear. But it was something that I had to take to heart, and I was forced to wrestle with because that was not how I wanted my children to think of me. That was not the example that my own dad sent for me. And that is especially not how a, a professed believer and follower of Jesus Christ should behave. You know, the book of Proverbs is full of reminders about the folly of angry speech. I'm just going to read a few. We have Proverbs 12:18. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We have Proverbs 15:1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil. And you see, I think it's clear from scripture that we need to be able to keep a check on our anger and these angry responses and angry speech, because it's incredibly destructive. And at the same time, very rarely do words spoken in anger actually have or produce the intended result anyway. You know, going back to James, this time, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, James tells us, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath, or the anger, of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, I was watching a a Tony Evans study on words called Watch Your Mouth, Many of you may have heard of Dr. Tony Evans before. He's a you know, well-renowned Bible teacher. And one thing he said during this study really stuck out to me. He said, in any given situation, before you speak, we should ask ourselves, do I want to hurt here or do I want to help? And when I think about that question in the context of responding in an angry manner, I mean, how can that possibly be helpful? You know, if we don't care if we're hurtful, then we can feel free to blurt out whatever pops into our head, whatever we want to say. But if we're trying to be helpful, we need to be willing to rely on God to help us speak and respond in a way that is helpful and is actually able to be received by whomever it is we're speaking to. So my last point for today is about inconsistency. Is there inconsistency in your life when it comes specifically to the words that you speak. You now, if you read, read James 3.10, does this describe you? Like, if you were listening to yourself, and you were able to play back just one day of your life, would you hear blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth? You know, do you speak one way at church or in a Bible study, yet you speak some way completely different, when you're behind closed doors? Like, is there a Jekyll and Hyde component to your words? Another word that came to mind for me is authenticity. Like, are you authentic, or do you spend most of your time trying to sound like someone or something that you aren't? And we can also think about this from the viewpoint of our relationships with our spouses, with our children, coworkers, friends, neighbors, just ask yourself, what does your conversation look like with these groups of people? And maybe just think about the last conversation you had with somebody. It could have taken place on the way to church this morning. And if somehow I was able to bug your car, and I have that conversation recorded, how would you feel if I was just to hit play and play it for everybody here in this room right now? You know, for many of us, that could be a very scary proposition. And I have a few other questions just to think about, because again, I don't have the answers to all of this, but really we need to be at least thinking about this and asking questions and be willing to deal with what it is that we're hearing from God. You know, let's think about social media. Again, social media is primarily words, right? I'm not really on social media. I don't have a lot to personally say about it, but I know many of you are, and you would Extol the virtues and all the good that can come out of social media. And I would agree with some of that, but I would also ask you just to take a look at what it is you're posting, or what it is you're consuming. Is it building up, or is it tearing down? And and maybe you aren't the one that's actually doing the posting, but is your interaction with other people condoning hurtful words just by engaging with whatever it is that they are putting out there for all to consume. You know, are you adding fuel to the fire? That spark that James tells us about can quickly become a forest fire. And now let's move off our phones and off our computers and think about face-to-face interactions. You know, hopefully more and more as we move away from the pandemic, you're having more and more opportunities to be with people face-to-face. And in those situations, are you the one setting the tone for the conversation? Or are you just morphing to blend into whatever situation you find yourself in? Now, this isn't my example. Um, I'm not sure where I heard this, so I can't properly give anybody credit, but a great way to think about it is, are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? Because if we think about it, they kind of sound like the same word, two completely different things. A thermometer, if it is, 78 degrees in here. Thankfully it's not. It's cool outside, we finally have air conditioning, but if it was 78 degrees in a room and you take a thermometer into that room, that thermometer is going to warm up to 78 degrees. All it's going to tell you is the room is 78 degrees. Conversely, a thermostat. If there's a thermostat in a room that's 78 degrees and you set that down to 72, you know what is that thermostat going to do? It's actually going to influence the environment and bring the temperature of that room down from 78 to 72. So when you look at your interactions and your conversations you have with others, are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? And for the believers in the room, another question to think about, would somebody know you're a Christian by listening to you speak, by the words that come out of your mouth? And if not, and they found out you were, or they found out that you do, you know, join us here on a Sunday morning, what type of damage could that be doing not only to your personal reputation, but to the reputation of the church community at large? And could that inconsistency actually become a stumbling block for somebody even thinking about pursuing or looking into Christianity? Because like it or not, like we don't have a choice in this, we are all ambassadors for Christ. And just think about the way you speak, and does your speech, do your words consistently reflect what can actually be, feel like a burden at some times, but it's also a tremendous honor to be able to carry that forth into all of these scenarios we'll find ourselves you know, Paul gives these instructions to the church in Ephesus. Um, in Ephesians 4:29, Paul says, "Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear." You know, he uses those words, "good for building up." You know, we're we're back to that question of, "Am I trying to help, or am I trying to hurt?" So, I know I talked a lot this morning about what not to do. Um, this wasn't a super upbeat, happy Father's Day. God loves you. He's our glorious Father, which He is and He does. But this was the message that God laid on my heart this morning. Um, and as much as you maybe have to wrestle with this listening to it for 25 or 30 minutes, I've been wrestling with this for the past two months. Can control the tongue. But it doesn't mean we're powerless. In our own strength, yes, it may be impossible. But with and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I truly believe anything is possible. You may have heard of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. We have love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And each of these are available to each of you, and myself included, if we only ask. And I want you to ask yourself, do those words describe your words? Kindness, gentleness, self-control. And if the answer to that is no, that's okay. But maybe what you need to do today is just take a next step and ask the Holy Spirit to point out if there's anywhere in your life with your speech, with your words, that you may need to do some work. You might need to sit with these scriptures. Uh, maybe you're going to go home and just reread James chapter 3 and ask God to speak to you through that. It may mean having some hard conversations with your spouse, with a friend, with your parents, with your children, and just be willing to have open and honest discussions about where your words may not be aligning With biblical truth because you know we words we know words are important and words are powerful God created through speech God is the word and God chose to communicate to each of us through words we know from James that words are like a tiny spark that can create a forest fire but on our own no one has the power to tame the tongue and we looked at gossip we looked at anger We looked at inconsistency in our speech. But the great news is for all of us here this morning there is no condemnation in Christ, and we do have a helper. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be kind and gentle and have self control. But we need to be willing to ask God to reveal to us where we may be going astray. And we need to be willing to deal with some potentially difficult truths as we become and speak more like the one that God created each of us to be. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. As challenging as it may be sometimes, God, I pray that we would take it to heart and that we would also acknowledge the power of our words. And Lord, as a church and as individuals, I pray that we would be a church that chooses to wield that power for good, to wield that power to build up, and to wield that power to help. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.